you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. What up? My name's Jesse. I'm from Massachusetts. Just was wondering what you thought about the uh, whole Dave Chappelle uh, controversy. I, I, I don't think it's deserved. I watched the video. It's called Daphne. It's about his transgender friend. He was very respectful about her the whole time, and I think he deserves much more respect than he's getting. But I wanted your opinion on it, because I honestly respect your opinion. Thank you. Have a good night. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, the clip about Dave Chappelle and Daphne, his his bit explaining everything that happened with Daphne, I don't think that that specific clip about Daphne was offensive. I, I think it was like a 13-minute clip or something like that. I think it was fine, personally. However, there were other parts of that comedy routine that he did, like before the Daphne bit, that were absolutely terrible. And his apology, if you can call it that, to the trans community, was the result of him kind of sticking his foot in his mouth in previous comedy specials that he had done. I forget what the name of the last one was where he talked about all this, but basically in the last one he was talking about being trans and he said, I can't relate to that. Imagine if I woke up and I was a different race. Like, what if I woke up and I was Chinese? And then he started doing some real racist shit, like real racist Asian stereotype stuff. It was bad. Dare I say, worse than the stuff he had to say about trans people his bit about Asians. It was pretty fucking bad. I'm okay with them being a little bit edgy. I'm totally cool with that. But there has to be a point to it. Sometimes jokes are all edge and no point. And at that point, like, what are you even doing? What's the goal here? In his case, the point that he was making with that specific joke when he got, you know, was saying, what if he woke up and he was a different race? I guess the point was to try to get people to recognize that this is something that people experience that you don't really fully understand. But the way that he's going about it was, in large part, stereotypically transphobic. He's using a lot of the same perspectives and framing and viewpoints that really transphobic people use, like terribly transphobic people. Now, as far as I'm concerned, his bit about Daphne was okay, in my opinion. And that is the reason why I don't think that there should be as much outrage over this as there is, because the ending about Daphne was the inflection point. The ending was the part that everybody got upset about and that everyone's talking about right now. It's not that bad, the part that he was talking about Daphne on. It wasn't that bad. All of the other stuff leading up to that was pretty fucking bad. But that's the problem. The inflection point landed there, and since it was such a moderate thing, that very specific thing that he said, you've got the vast majority of people who hear about this story are saying, 
it wasn't that bad, you're blowing it out of proportion, you need to calm down, so on and so forth. I wish that there had been more outrage over some of the other things that he had said, not the Daphne stuff specifically, because he definitely went overboard. But when you think about it, that's what he does, right? That's his whole bit. He goes overboard with things intentionally, and he's a really funny guy sometimes, like really fucking funny. And other times, the jokes that he tells are they may be funny to some degree to some people but they're more hurtful than they are funny so the way i see it is i kind of try to take a death of the author approach with dave Chappelle. some of his stuff is really funny and i can really appreciate it uh and i laugh my ass off at some of it but some of the shit that he says is pretty fucking bad so i appreciate the good stuff to some degree just like a lot of people appreciate the good stuff that came from J.K. Rowling, the Harry Potter series, for example. And I condemn the bad stuff. J.K. Rowling is a, a terrible person in a lot of ways and has, a, and has had a lot of bad things to say. So it's a death of the author thing. You can appreciate Harry Potter, but recognize that J.K. Rowling is not a great person. I get the impression that if somebody just sat down with Dave Chappelle and explained some of this shit to him and explained to him like why this is a problem and how he could fix it and what he's doing is harmful and things like that, I get the impression he would accept that. I mean, I, I, who knows? You know, I don't know anybody who even knows the guy could sit down and talk to him. So we'll probably never know how he would react. But just his personality seems like the type that would be willing to listen. So anyways, that's my opinion on it. The Daphne stuff, it wasn't that bad. Everything leading up to it was pretty fucking bad. But that's who he is. Dave Chappelle is all edge. And sometimes he has a point and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he comes at it from a terrible direction. Sometimes he comes at it from a good direction. It's kind of hit and miss with Dave Chappelle. I wish we had chosen a better inflection point than the Daphne stuff. I wish that we had gotten on him about his jokes about trans people sitting in a car with, the, with you know lesbians and gays and bisexuals. I wish that we had gotten on him about that joke instead of the Daphne stuff. If we'd gotten on him about that stuff, we might have been able to get somewhere, but you can't, you can't determine where the inflection point's going to be when you're dealing with things like this. Hey, Owen. This is Becca. I was diagnosed with CIDP a few months ago. Um, that's an autoimmune disorder that damages the outer covering of the nerves in your arms and legs. Uh, there's a few treatment options for it. Two involve receiving parts of people's blood as an IV, and the other options are medications that suppress your immune system, uh, basically so that your body can start healing quicker than it's falling apart. Um, I'm doing one of the first options. I get a round of IVIG every four weeks, and it's been helping me a lot. Um, by the time I started treatment, I was walking with a cane and had a really hard time climbing stairs, but now I can walk and even run without assistance. Um, I'd almost certainly be in a wheelchair by now without the treatments that I've been receiving, so I'm really glad that I didn't grow up JW. Um, I got the joys of growing up in a different cult instead. Um, now, the IVIG treatments that I get, get can actually be collected from horses or rabbits as well as human donors. 
so I was wondering what Jehovah's Witnesses would think about receiving animal blood antibodies as opposed to human antibodies. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call. Really interesting question. I had to look out of curiosity um, what their website says about it, and it doesn't actually specify, I don't believe, but they do mention specifically that Jehovah's Witnesses are not allowed to, quote-unquote, eat animal blood. The whole doctrine started with them saying you're not allowed to eat animal blood. That's like what the Bible verse says, and that's why they banned people from taking blood transfusions from people. So it's an extension of the already existing verses. Their policy about not taking blood transfusions is a stretch. It's an extrapolation on the Bible policy of not eating blood, quote-unquote. But again, this was like Old Testament shit that was kind of done away with when Jesus died. And aside from that, I've actually gone through the scriptures and looked at the interlinear version of the Bible, looked ex- at, I'm sorry, looked at exact translations. The words that are used in the Bible do not lend themselves to the idea that you should just die rather than take treatments for an illness. The parts of the Bible that talk about this don't even imply that that's the case. And in fact, around that time, they did have blood-related treatments. I mean, they were ridiculous, like bloodletting and things like that. But the point is, Jehovah's Witnesses extrapolated grossly from a verse that talks about eating animal blood. And it's irrelevant to us today, but they stick with it anyway. So the answer to your question is, Jehovah's Witnesses would not be okay with you doing that, which makes me even happier that you're doing it. Just one more stick in the craw, if you will. Hey, Owen, this is James again, a longtime listener, fan of your uh, podcast. I have a question. Um, you talk about video games. Do you like um, tabletop RPGs? Uh, I don't know what Jehovah's Witnesses think of them, but I would imagine they wouldn't like them. That's all I wanted to know. You have a wonderful week ahead and a great rest of the month. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Growing up, we were actually banned as Jehovah's Witnesses from some very specific, very popular tabletop games. I don't know if you'd consider Dungeons & Dragons a tabletop game, but that was the main one that we weren't allowed to play, Dungeons & Dragons. Sadly, because I've come to understand that it's actually a really fun game, and it was created by a Jehovah's Witness, as it turns out. Yeah, we weren't allowed to play that, so I never really got into tabletop games very much. But I do like collecting old things. So if it if it's some kind of an old game, even if it's not like a console retro game cartridge or something, I would still collect it. I think that'd be pretty cool. Hey, Owen. Uh, this is Josh. I've been watching your show for a couple months now, and I really like it. Uh, I was just wondering what you thought about this thought. Do you think evangelicals uh, possibly think that Trump is the Antichrist since he's driving them further towards the Armageddon and destruction of the Earth they so desperately desire? Thanks. Interesting question. I don't think that they really put that much thought into it. I get the impression they view him as like a messiah more than anything else. I don't think that they really view him as the Antichrist 
because they've already named the Antichrist. They have defined the Antichrist as Obama. Hi, I'm Chuck Norris, and this is my wife, Gina. We are here to talk about a growing concern we all share. If we look to history, our great country and freedom are under attack. We're at a tipping point, and quite possibly our country as we know it may be lost forever if we don't change the course our country is headed. We know you love your family and your freedom as much as Gina and I do, and it is because of that we can no longer sit quietly or stand on the sidelines and watch our country go the way of socialism or something much worse. We will preserve for our children this last best hope for man on earth, or we will sentence them to take the first step into a thousand years of darkness. And then when Obama didn't bring a thousand years of darkness like they claimed he would, they claimed it was Hillary Clinton. Anytime there's something they don't like, they name it either the Antichrist or the Mark of the Beast. That's just kind of their MO at this point. I think they view him as like a messiah more than an Antichrist. Hello, I'm Johannes from Zeppelin, Germany. And I just came to call and ask your opinion on the Pledge of Allegiance because you think it should be, uh, like, have the religious stuff removed, or do you think it should be removed entirely or stay as it is? Because I have gotten so much shit for saying the, for, for not saying the Pledge of Allegiance, even though I am a German, and I do not have allegiance to this country. Thank you and bye. I do think the Pledge of Allegiance is ass backwards we absolutely shouldn't be having our kids say that in a classroom basically no other country does that on planet earth unless it's like an extreme dictatorship or something it's fucking weird and the under god part wasn't even added to the pledge of allegiance until like the 1950s or something around the same time they added in god we trust to our currency we didn't always have it on our dollars the point is we absolutely shouldn't be having our kids say shit like that. The Pledge of Allegiance, it's ass backwards. I absolutely do not stand for it. And you should not be harassed or shamed into saying it just because people think that you should be like everybody else. I would recommend you don't say it. Hey, Owen, this is Raven in Washington State, formerly South Carolina. And I wanted to talk about uh, AA and NA with you real quick. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, maybe before that I am previous Jehovah's Witness myself and I had an alcohol problem and I turned to AA and then I ended up getting sober, three and a half years sober now and uh, I don't go to AA much anymore um, and I know how you feel about NA and AA and I would agree with you in, in principle. Um, I definitely think they're high control groups as well, especially depending on where you are located. If you're in a conservative area, they will tend to be more religious and controlling. But my question to you is that, um, is that completely a bad thing? I would love for everybody to be able to have an open mind and to free their minds. But quite frankly, most of the people that I've met in NA and AA need that structure and that heavy hand in order to keep themselves from falling into addiction again or from freaking dying. And most of those individuals are people that if they lost that heavy hand, uh, they likely would return to that. So just wanted your thoughts on how far is too far with that whole thing. And when does it become toxic? Uh, thanks. Again, this is Raven in Washington. Big fan. Love all your stuff. 
former JW, 40 years old, and I, I love everything that you do, bro. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so ultimately, I think the question is, when is it okay to use control tactics on people? In the case of NA and AA people, like people who had addictions, they need that heavy-handed control. And to some degree, I, I agree with you on that point. There are some cases in which people, for their own good or their own safety, need to have their rights taken away. For example, if somebody is, you know, on suicide watch or something, they have to have their rights taken away by being observed 24-7, being put in a room and having things removed from that room that they could use to hurt themselves things like that. In that case, in in most situations, that's voluntary, but still, they needed that for their own protection, right? There are cases in which people need their rights taken, at least temporarily, for their own safety and protection, and it sounds like that's what you're referring to here. My big problem with NA and AA is that they aren't they are not science-based. If they were basing all of this on science, I would be down. But personally, I didn't go to NA or AA for long. I've been to a few meetings, but eventually I went to secular therapy, science-based therapy, basically. And that did a lot for me. I understand the need for drug testing me and counting my pills, uh, you know, my medications and things like that. Those are freedoms or rights that they took away from me because I needed that heavy-handed technique at the time for my own protection. But everything that they did was based on science and we had real psychologists working there. NA and AA was started in a church and is run by pastors more often than not. At this point, a lot of groups are run by ex-addicts or ex-alcoholics, pastor or not. And that's a step in the right direction, absolutely. But in my opinion, I think that there should be a psychologist at the front always, and the steps shouldn't be based on whatever the hell they're based on, which is originally the Bible. They should be based on science. That's my big issue. If you're going to exert control over somebody's life in such a serious, dominating way, sometimes it's necessary. Make sure it's science-based. That was a really interesting question. When is it okay to use control tactics like cults use? Is it ever okay? And the answer is yes, as long as it's science-based and there's a professional involved. People in NA and AA, most of the time, their only expertise is having been there themselves. That's not enough to exert control over somebody, in my opinion, or undue influence. Next, we're going to talk about the praying medic, Dave Hayes, saying he still thinks the storm is coming and Trump is going to have a bunch of people arrested, including Hillary Clinton. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
The first article I wanted to talk about is about a guy named The Praying Medic. That's what he calls himself. His real name is Dave Hayes. And he is famous for being the de facto leader of the QAnon movement. He pushes the opinions forward. He shouts people out in the movement. He doesn't really sway the discussion much. He just kind of continues pushing the ideals that Q, the original QAnon poster, originally put out there. So this guy isn't coming up with original thought, really. He's just trying to interpret what the original Q poster said and push people in the right direction and build a social media network that QAnon followers can go to and listen to and kind of figure out the interpretations for. That's who this guy is. I don't want you guys to think that he's a nobody. I specifically pulled up some articles that mention him by name because I wanted to show you how seriously we should be taking him and his movement and where he stands in it. This article is titled Arizona-based QAnon Interpreter, Militia Mobilizer, and Other Pages Taken Down Off of Facebook During a Crackdown. This article was actually released October 8th, 2020, so about a year ago. I don't know if you guys remember, but Facebook and YouTube and a bunch of others, Twitter, all kind of came together and decided to take down a bunch of QAnon pages, a bunch of QAnon-related material and accounts. And his was among those accounts that were removed. The article starts out at the top here. It says, Praying Medic, the pen name of an Arizona man who's become one of the more popular and influential interpreters of the writings by the mysterious entity known as Q, has left Facebook after the social media website announced a crackdown on pages promoting the QAnon conspiracy. Again, um, this is the Praying Medic that we're looking at right here. This is the guy. We're going to be watching a few clips from him in a little while, but I just wanted to give you an idea of who he is first. QAnon, a set of baseless online conspiracy claims, generally allege that high-ranking officials are covering up secret sex crimes and other evils. It's become a prominent issue during this campaign season as more activists support the idea and as Republicans, including the president, have been slow to condemn it. This was actually, I think, right before the election. November 3rd is when the election took place, 2020, I think. This came out October 8th. Of course, Trump has denied even knowing what QAnon is, so he, in theory, shouldn't be upset that they removed all of these pages, right? Since he doesn't know what it is. They are completely and totally 100% obsessed with Trump. They believe that he is like their new messiah, like the new Jesus. They believe that he's going to bring a storm, as they call it. He's going to start the storm, which is basically the, an event where a bunch of political figures get arrested and all this other stuff. I'll tell you what, why don't we just listen to the praying medic explain the storm for us. Again, this is the praying medic on the right. This clip came out May 2019. Check this out. Q has often said, especially over the last six months, this is going to be the end of the D party, the end of the Democrat party. Okay, now, if you are, you know, average person listening, watching Q, like, what do you mean the end of the Democrat party? The Democrat party is not going to end. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I'm going to explain to you how the Democrat party is going to end. What we are going to see in the next year unrolled. The next year unrolled. That was a prediction. Again, this clip came out May 2019. A year from then would be May 2020. So we are now 
a year and a half out from when this prediction should have ended. Over a year and a half out. As you'll come to see, he hasn't given up faith. We'll get there. He actually posted a tweet on April 15th, 2019, so shortly before this clip was released, that says, Buckle up, looks like the storm is here. Another April 30th, 2020, the following year, there be a storm brewing. November 9th, 2018, buckle up, buttercup, looks like a storm is brewing. He has been prophesying, I've chosen that word very specifically, prophesying that the storm is coming and that there are going to be mass arrests and Donald Trump is going to take control of the government and the military and everything else for like two, three years now, more. Let's keep listening. Unrolled it is likely hundreds of members of Congress, most of them Democrats, some Republicans. All right. They're going to be arrested and they're going to be prosecuted for corruption. Q said that people in Congress were warned the storm is coming. And they were told, if you are playing the game and you are in Congress, when the storm hits, you're going to be prosecuted. They saw the storm coming and they were like, okay, I'm out. They were cut a deal. You get out, you won't be prosecuted. If you stay in, the hammer's going to fall on you and you're going to be prosecuted. Is there like any evidence for this at all? He's making a lot of real serious claims here, right? He's claiming that the members of Congress were offered a deal. If they got out of Congress now, then they would be safe from prosecution. But the storm is coming right around the corner. Remember, this clip came out May 2019, and apparently there's still no storm here. Do these people like live in the same reality as us? I mean, at what point is this guy going to say, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong in 2018 when I made this claim. I was wrong in 2019. I was wrong in 2020. Now, he's not doing that. This next clip I wanted to watch is from 2021, late October 2021. Give this a watch. Please keep President Trump in prayer. Keep Q and the team in prayer. Uh, there were some interesting Scavino tweets, an ace Scavino tweet last night with uh, an interesting Delta. It's on my Telegram timeline if you want to check it out. Uh, like I said before, I think Q and the team have been observing us on social media. And I suspect they're probably pretty proud about the way we've handled things uh, in their absence. What's fascinating about this is that after the election, Q went completely silent. The person that basically created this cult stopped posting. Stopped saying a fucking word. The last Q drops were... Hold on, let me find it. November 3rd, 2020, the day before or the day of the election, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth. It was a quote from Abraham Lincoln, May 1863. October 31st, 2020, so last year around this time. Are you ready to take back control of this country? Are you ready to hold the political elite accountable? Are you ready to finish what we started? Nothing can stop what is coming is not just a catchphrase. Those were the, the last posts. After that, November 12th, nothing can stop what is coming. Nothing. I mean, these are like daily messages that they were sending originally. In fact, multiple per day that they were originally sending. And it jumped from November 3rd, day of the election, to November 12th. Gigantic nine-day gap in there where they didn't say a word. And then the next thing they say is nothing can stop what's coming. And then on November 13th, they just said Durham, Q. 
That's it. And then December 8th, 2020, they posted a link to a YouTube video. The YouTube video was just a song. We're not going to take it anymore. I, you probably know the song. I don't remember who sings it. Uh, Twisted Sister, maybe? Who fucking knows? Anyways, the point is, after December 8th, after posting that link to that YouTube video, they didn't say another word. Not one. After December 8th, 2020, that's the last time Q posted anything at all for anybody to read. And here we are a year later, and this fella right here, the praying medic, seems to be under the impression that Q would be happy with where they took things, with what they were doing. On social media, I suspect they're probably pretty proud about the way we've handled things uh, in their absence. So the cult leader disappears seemingly permanently. It's been a year, and they're still hooked into this. They still believe this. Not only... Do they still believe this? But check this next clip out. This is mid-October 2021. I would just advise people, be patient. Hang in there. Wait. Don't, don't be impatient. Don't, don't be upset if it doesn't go at the speed that you want it to. The storm is coming. <laughs> and there is nothing anyone is going to do to stop it. The, the storm is on its way. The guy is so suckered into this movement, he can't let it go. He made a storm prediction in 2018, 2019, 2020, and now 2021. When is he going to give up on this? Will he ever? I don't think so. I think the QAnon movement is here to stay permanently. I don't believe it's going anywhere. You know there are still members of the Heaven's Gate cult out there? 39 people died that night. The night of March 26, 1997, that's when they were all found, uh, 39 people, including the leader, Marshall Applewhite, a.k.a. Doe, like the musical note. They were all found in their Rancho Santa Fe, California mansion, just dead, just laying there dead. And to this day, there are still active believers of this, this cult, QAnon is here to stay, permanently. It is a permanent fixture. It's sad, but we're going to have to address these batshit crazy beliefs at some point as a society. There's no way of getting around it. What's worse is Donald Trump's lawyer, Lynn Wood, carries water for the QAnon movement, if you will, and he offered some pretty interesting ideas, opinions, if you will, to a crowd who gathered to listen to him speak. This one was from mid-October 2021. Give this a listen. 9-11, you want to talk about that? Yes. Let's talk about CGI. You know what that is? Computer graphics generated images. You know what CGI is? You know what deep fake videos are? I know you know what Photoshopping is. 2001, the estimate was there was three and a half trillion dollars that was the estimate that had been stolen from the defense budget okay uh, first of all i'm real skeptical of that claim 3.5 trillion dollars in 2001 this is pre 9-11 they were doing this investigation before 9-11 took place i have no idea what he's talking about i'm extremely skeptical from the get-go let's keep listening they were going to have hearings starting on November the 12th to discuss that money that had been stolen and was missing. That was your money, by the way. And then all of a sudden, 
On 9-11, what appeared to be a plane hit one building, what appeared to be a plane hit another building. Then later that night, another building fell down that wasn't hit by a dead gum thing. What appeared to be a plane. And a minute ago, he was talking about CGI, like computer graphics and stuff. It was the building that went down, Building 7, that had all the paperwork in it with respect to the missing money. I am hesitant to believe a single word this guy says. I haven't heard a word about this investigation of $3.5 trillion. Like, that's a lot of fucking money. And aside from that, the investigation would have continued. Even if the documentation had gone away or whatever, the investigation would have continued. It doesn't matter. Let's continue. And the Pentagon got hit by a missile. There were no plane fragments found anywhere on any of the sites. It was a plane. New York, Pennsylvania, the Pentagon. And that just happened to hit where the papers were about the missing money. There are no coincidences. We got played. We got played by people that are so evil that for money, they kill 2,800 Americans on that day, including policemen and firefighters. If George Bush 43 is not already in hell, then he needs to go to jail before he goes to hell because he is a criminal. How wrong is this, man? You know, when I was growing up, I was not allowed to be politically involved. As a Jehovah's Witness, I, I was basically banned from being politically involved at all. I remember when the whole 9-11 thing was going down, I remember hearing about it. I was in like seventh grade or something, I think. And all of my classmates were talking about it and everything. But the next day, my parents never talked about it. My parents never got into it. I mean, I, I watched the, the news footage and all that stuff. But then I went on with my life because as a Jehovah's Witness, I was not supposed to be politically involved. And as a result, I feel like I missed out on a, a large cultural experience in the United States. Everybody else was trying to keep up with exactly what happened on that day. They were trying to keep up with, you know, the phone calls that people made from the air phones when they were in the airplane and all of the events that unfolded. They wanted to know everything about it. And there was a sense of unity in the country. We all felt like Americans rather than Republicans and Democrats. But that wasn't me. I was neither a Republican, nor a Democrat, nor an American. I was a Jehovah's Witness, first and foremost. So this past 9-11, a few months ago, I started going through all of the documents. I started reading about it, trying to understand what happened, reading about the experiences of the people on the airplane where they were told to go to the back of the plane and sit back there and they would be landing at the airport again soon and things like that. And how these people actually made a plan together to rush the cockpit and stop this from happening. They knew something was wrong. And the people in this plane, I don't remember which plane it was or what their original target was, maybe Washington, D.C., but anyways, these people actually got into the cockpit. They knew they were going to die. They got into the cockpit, and the pilot did what he was instructed to do if he wasn't able to reach his target, which is crash the plane. He had to crash the plane because he knew he was going to fail, because those people in the back knew they had to prevent this 
from happening. They had to stop this tragedy. They knew they were probably going to die, and they rushed the cockpit anyways to stop this tragedy from taking place, and they succeeded. They succeeded for that plane, at the very least. And here we sit, listening to Donald Trump's lawyer making light of it. Not just making light of it, but acting like it didn't happen. Acting like that was all a big fabricated lie. You know where Donald Trump was this past 9-11? He was at ground zero taking pictures with firefighters and telling people that he was down there on 9-11 helping people clean up in the aftermath. Of course, complete bullshit. We know where he was on 9-11 because a few years ago, he told us in a phone interview what he was doing. He was standing in Trump Tower looking out the window watching it burn and thinking to himself, that used to be the tallest building. Now Trump Tower is the tallest building. Donald, uh, you have one of the landmark buildings down in the financial district, 40 Wall Street. Uh, did you have any damage, or did you know wh what's happened down there? Well, it was an amazing phone call I made. 40 Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan, and, and it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest, and now it's the tallest. And I just spoke to my people, and they said it's the most unbelievable site. It's probably seven or eight blocks away from the World Trade Center, and yet Wall Street is littered with two feet of stone and brick and mortar and steel. I watched people jumping off the building, and I witnessed it. I watched that because I had a view. I have a window in my apartment that specifically was aimed at the World Trade Center because of the beauty of the whole downtown Manhattan. Many of those affected were firefighters, police officers, and other first responders. And I was down there also. But I'm not considering myself a first responder. But I was down there. I spent a lot of time down there with you. Way to show respect for the people who gave their lives to save others. Way to show respect, Linwood. Way to show respect, Donald Trump. There is no low that these people won't reach to. They just keep digging. As we heard the praying medic say earlier, they are convinced that Donald Trump is in complete control and he's going to bring the system to a grinding halt one of these days. Morally repugnant. This whole movement is morally repugnant. I can't think of a better word for it. Next, we're going to talk about Pastor Johnny Enlow saying that God gave him a vision that Donald Trump will be back in office, and soon. He's right this time. He swears. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Johnny Enlow. Now, I've talked about him a bunch on my channel, actually, both on my main channel and on the Fireside Chat channel, but I wanted to give you a little bit of an update because he just released a new clip recently where he was talking to our old buddy Steve Schultz from ElijahList.com, and he had more shit to say 
about Donald Trump. I figured as time went on, he would give up on the idea that Donald Trump is not going to be back in office in 2021. I figured he'd give up on the idea after a while, but he released more clips. So I'll tell you what, why don't we take a look at this clip from early December 2019. This is just before the 2020 election really started revving up. See what he had to say about Donald Trump at the time. Check this out. And then on March, right when I'm saying that I have this, oh, it's not an open vision, but it was a vision. Uh, let me just tell you what the difference is between the two. Open vision is where you f you are physically standing in a location watching something unfold. Th these are things that God gives to you. God grants these visions. A closed vision, which is what he says that he had, is almost like a dream. Like you close your eyes and you're seeing this stuff in front of you, that kind of thing. So he's about to describe this closed vision that he had, that God gave him. Check it out. And in the vision, I see this circular mountain that goes up, and there's a path all the way up. And at the top is Donald Trump, and he's on a motorcycle. And he's on, on a motorcycle, and he's making a lot of noise with it. And he has red, white, and blue bandana on his, on his head. I actually talked out loud, and I go, oh, no, because I was like, this means this is not going to be a peaceful exchange. This is not a peaceful transition. Where you know, I'm not sure how he got there. How did, how did he get from seeing Trump on a motorcycle on top of a mountain to this isn't going to be a peaceful transition of power? And what is it with this, like, masculinity thing? Like, motorcycles represent some kind of a weird masculine energy or something like that. Why a motorcycle? Has Trump ever ridden a motorcycle in his life? I don't know. I doubt it for some reason. This is an objectively knowable answer. Let's see. I just Googled it out of curiosity. Has Trump ever ridden on a motorcycle? And the answer seems to be no. That's tentative. There's no way to really know. But it says he has taken pictures on motorcycles with his daughter, for example. You know, like headshots or whatever on a motorcycle. I don't know what their obsession is with motorcycles, but you can see this in Ben Garrison cartoons, too. I'll put some up here on the side if you haven't seen these, but there's some weird obsession with, like, QAnoners and extreme right wing nuts or nutter butters, if you will. There's an obsession with them thinking that Trump is like some alpha male who rides motorcycles. I just don't get it. Let's keep listening. This is not a peaceful transition we're going into. This is, is something more. And so I was like, Lord, as I'm saying that, what the first thing he said is, he is going to save you from things you don't know you need to be saved from yet. And then the Lord progressively began to speak regarding that. And he said, this time in the presidency is going to be a hinge of the ages. And you be known as before Trump and after Trump because of the way I'm going to use him. That's fucking strange, right? He's going to save you from things you don't know you need to be saved from yet. And this is going to be a hinge of the ages. We're switching from basically before Christ and Anno Domini, or as Christians like to call it, before Christ and after death. We're switching from that standard to before Trump and after Trump, according to this guy. He's saying that Trump plays such a significant role in the history of the world that the world is going to start using before Trump and after Trump as their new calendar. So we're starting in year 1 AT, is what Johnny Enlow is saying. Of course, this is in 2019, so this is before Trump actually left office. This is an unhealthy obsession. 
with Donald Trump. This is an unhealthy view of a political candidate or a political actor, if you will. Let's keep listening. And the Lord, it was like, he's like I'm really not interested in your all's vote this time. I'm doing it. I usually give you all that option. This time, I'm not. This is a rescue operation from heaven. This is this is a, a, a moment of the ages. This will go down. This time period will go down as a before and after AD, you know, a, a, but BC, AD, depending on what terminology you use now. That takes some courage right there. Basically, what he just said is, don't bother voting because I'm going to put Trump into office anyways. I don't care about your vote. Don't bother. Stay home. This guy basically just told his entire listener base, which, by the way, is not tiny, to stay home because God is going to make sure Trump is the president anyways. That takes real courage to say something like that. That is a level of confidence that I will never have about anything, I don't think. Holy shit. But that's not where the craziness ends. This next clip is late January 2021. This is after Trump lost the election unequivocally, and Biden was already inaugurated as the new president. Check this clip out. So there's all these dimensions the Lord is coming to affect and change right now. And President Trump still has a very uh, active, viable role in that, and he will still step in on the playing field itself. He's even under the playing field. Believe me, God is doing things with him, uh, and I won't go into it more than that. Okay, before we continue, I just want to kind of draw out what he's saying here. He's basically saying, yes, Biden is the figurehead. He's at the top of... Cat's just sitting here staring at me like a weirdo. That was strange. Anyways, he's at the top of the hierarchy, Biden is, on paper. Everybody sees him there, but actually Trump is the one pulling the strings. And this is really better. This is actually something Johnny Enlow said. This is actually better. It's better this way because Donald Trump doesn't get blamed for the things that go wrong. The media won't crucify him for things that he does that they didn't like or whatever. Biden will get the heat from the media. So it's better that Trump is behind the scenes pulling the levers and Biden is the figurehead. That's what Johnny Enlow said in another clip. I don't have it here, but that's what he said. Let's keep listening. He's not a passive player. He is recognized from heaven. He is recognized as the primary government leader on planet Earth. Whoa, wait a minute. Planet Earth? He's never been the leader of planet Earth, even when he was the president. At best, he was the president of the United States, not the Earth. Where is all this coming from? This is fucking strange. Suddenly, he's the president of Earth? From heaven, President Trump is recognized as the primary government leader on planet Earth. That is fucking strange. Where is this guy getting his ideas? He's not unique in all this, though. By the way, if you didn't know who Johnny Enlow was, he is a foremost leader in the QAnon movement. He basically communicates with his audience and with the, the QAnon audience. He's like the linchpin between the QAnon people and the Christians. The last person I talked about, the praying medic, Dave Hayes, he is a primary QAnon interpreter. Johnny Enlow isn't an interpreter. Johnny Enlow is a QAnon and Christian linchpin, a communicator, if you will. He's extremely important in the QAnon movement and the Christian movement. 
He's he's not a nobody in all this. But if you think that the idea that Donald Trump is a messiah practically, if you think that's unique, there's another person named Bill Mitchell. This guy is just a right-wing radio talk show host. He had some interesting things to say about Trump, too. This came out late June 2019, so give this clip a watch and see what Bill Mitchell has to say. And we are witnesses to history. 200, 300, 1,000 years from now, the historians will look back and say, this was the moment in time where America turned back from the brink. America was on the brink of disaster. America was ready to go Thelma and Louise over the cliff. And America has come back from the brink to achieve the greatness that God has always destined for us. And he used Donald Trump the same way that he's used David, the same way that he's used uh, uh, Samson, the same way that he used Abraham, the same way that he turned... <coughs> Uh, Saul into Paul, who ended up writing about a third of the New Testament, the same way he used all of these heroes from the Bible, he's using Donald Trump right now to stand in the gap and save America. It's remarkable to watch. Folks, you are living in historic times right now. Isn't that weird? This guy is not only comparing Donald Trump to Bible characters, which is weird in itself, but he also seems to be affirming what Johnny Enlow said earlier that this will be a hinge of the ages. When historians look back, they'll say, this was one BT, one before Trump, and one after Trump. Those are the years. These are historic times. He is a part of their theology now. He is a part of their religion. We're literally sitting here, living through it, while new cults are formed. We are watching these new cults come up out of nothing. It's actually extremely fascinating to watch, and I... You know, if QAnon was going to appear anyways, which I figure it, something like it probably would eventually, I'm glad that I was here to watch it take place so that I could kind of figure it out and see how it all happened, as it did. I wish that QAnon didn't exist in the first place, but here we are. So there's a new clip from Johnny Enlow. Just came out October 14th, 2021. I wanted to give this a watch and see what Johnny Enlow has to say now because we heard what he had to say before Donald Trump actually lost the election. He was basically telling his people to not bother going in and voting, right? We heard what he had to say after Trump lost and Biden was actually inaugurated. He said Trump was actually pulling the levers behind the scenes. I was wondering what he had to say now. Almost a full year. In fact, we're coming right up on a full year after the election, after Trump lost. I wonder what he has to say now. Let's check this out. Me ask the prophetic people all the time, when's he gonna be back in that seat? It's like, if you just knew a little more of the macro, uh, he's doing what he's supposed to. And, and, and just to add to that, like, uh, cause I just saw it again in, in, in the spirit. Okay, so he's about to tell us what he saw again in the spirit, but uh, isn't that fascinating? Knew a little more of the macro. If you knew a little more of the macro, then it would all make sense. It would all come together. You'd understand. Trump is actually on his way back to the presidency. Prophetic people all the time. When's he going to be back in that seat? It's like, if you just knew a little more of the macro. This dude is absolutely obsessed with Trump to an entirely too unhealthy degree. The fact that anybody can't just accept it when a political candidate loses an election, which happens all the time, that's concerning. 
This guy absolutely won't accept it. And he, like I said, he's the linchpin between QAnon and Christianity. He's the pastor that QAnoners come to and Christians come to if they want to hear more about each other, basically. Let's keep listening. And just to add to that, like, because uh, I just saw it again in, in, in the spirit of what I saw uh, a couple few days ago was I saw a picture of uh, President Trump playing chess again. Ah. And and um, and he's very advanced. I could tell he's very good in advance. Why does he have to be very good in advance? Like, why did he even have to add that detail in? You could have just left it at, I saw Trump playing chess and move on. Why is he so obsessed with making sure everybody knows that Trump is the best at everything? I don't fucking get it, man. Then all the super, you back up, you see the higher view. God has him on his chessboard. That's and so good. Trump and his whole board were on his board and he's actually playing Trump. This is so hard to watch. This guy is telling us this story like he actually saw this. He really believes he literally saw Trump playing chess on God's chessboard. Uh, and, and he's above and he's, he's the unbeatable master at, at chess. And so that's that's what's always the encouraging thing. And whenever we can't see, whenever we feel discouraged with what we're seeing, we usually it means we like we lack the higher yeah. the higher view of of seeing what's really taking place. Is this guy ever going to give up on Trump? Ever? I suspect not. I suspect he will go to the grave, believing that Trump is the real president of the U.S. and always has been and runs things behind the scenes and is just waiting for the right moment for to start the storm. This big group of mass arrests that are going to happen of a bunch of Democrats and blah, blah, blah. Going to put Hillary Clinton in Gitmo, the whole nine yards. He will go to his grave believing that that's right over the horizon. This clip came from early June 2021. Johnny Enloe made an appearance on the Flyover Conservative podcast to talk about Trump and when he would be back in office. Check this one out. Have you heard any timeline? Of course, that one has to come out. Any timelines at all? It's the same thing God says, and it's the most frustrating timeline ever. Soon! <laughs> um, because uh, soon with him is... is uh, never are soon. Never, yeah. never are soon. I, I just, you know, it has to be this year. And... Uh, yep. Ooh. Yeah, uh, that's embarrassing. Has to be this year. Well, there isn't a lot of time left for that. Uh, in fact, by the time you see this clip on YouTube, it may already be over. So, yeah, that's rough. Maybe you should watch the things you say so as not to stick your foot in your mouth. We used to say it has to be this month. Yeah, we used to say it has to be. <laughs> the deal is we also know natural intel like you all do. And yeah. so you that I have to be led by spiritual yeah. intel. Right. Yes. And I do believe the timing of the Lord is perfect in this. Yeah. And there are things, you know, it's one of my uh, prophetic friends right now uh, believes, uh, you know, there was something that, that President Trump is so disturbed by certain things that are happening. He's wanting to even accelerate that he was being tempted to accelerate and doing it faster than a plan that they had. That they had i.e. Donald Trump and God, made a plan together for him to take back the presidency. This is so many levels removed from reality at this point, I can't even count them. This is full-blown nutter butters. It wasn't necessarily the way they're supposed to go, and I'm like, 
no, I want to, I agree with Trump. Let's do it now. <laughs> um, sure. Let's do it. And these people are eating it up. They believe it. They invited this dude on with his wife to tell them, give them insight, because he's a prophet. He's a prophet of God. God provides to Johnny Enlow prophetic insight, visions of the future, secret information the rest of the world doesn't know. That's where we are now as a society. This guy is being told secret messages by God about Donald Trump. Trump is a part of their theology now. If you ever wondered if this was a religious movement, this support for Trump, this video that you just watched should be enough to close the deal for you. Should be enough to make you realize it is full-blown religious and it is a cult. Next, we're going to talk about how right-wing radio host Bill Mitchell thinks Trump was sent by God. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Bill Mitchell. Now, I can forgive you if you'd never heard of him. He's a right-wing radio talk show host, basically. And he is pretty far out there sometimes. It's extremely entertaining to watch. But he did a clip on the Satanic Temple. Uh, wait. Is it the Satanic Temple? I'm not sure if it's the Satanic Temple or the Church of Satan. I don't remember which one he was talking about in here. And uh, I know they don't necessarily like being confused, so I apologize. I should have been on top of my game on that one, but we'll get there. We'll figure out which Satanist group it was once we get to that clip. But leading up to it, I wanted to give you guys an idea of who Bill Mitchell is. So let's watch this clip. This is late June 2019 when this came out. So it's before the last election took place. Uh, about a year and three or four months before it actually happened. So let's give this a watch, see what he had to say for himself. This is how a great leader works. The Democrats have no idea how any of this works. They have no idea. They're like, Donald Trump is out of control. He doesn't know what he's doing. Donald Trump knows exactly what he's doing. But these Democrats, they only think linear. They only think by the next news cycle. They do not have the strategic brilliance that Donald Trump has, <clears throat> the God-given brilliance to see the future for what it is, to see how all these disparate parts work together for the greater good, for the greater whole. They do not comprehend that. You know, I could take that and, and I, I could get on board. I could understand if we could be given the explanation after the fact. If Donald Trump really was a strategic genius like he's saying he is, we should be able to like get a, a timeline of everything that happened and look at it on a chart and understand, oh, I see, that's why he did that way back there, and that's how it affected this up here, right? I get what he's saying, that Democrats aren't smart enough to do things the way Trump is doing it, but we should at least be able to look back in retrospect and understand why he was doing what he was doing. As it stands, I can't figure out what the fuck he was doing. He was acting like a madman for most of his presidency. He was doing nothing but pandering to the lowest common denominator, 
the entire time and slowly but surely promoting QAnon belief systems and QAnon ideas, having his lawyer out there, Lynn Wood and others, promoting these conspiracy theories and turning himself into a religious figure, literally viewed as the Messiah. Is that the strategic brilliance you're talking about? If that's the strategic brilliance you're talking about, I want nothing to do with it. That's like straight up evil. Taking advantage of people's religion to get their vote and then cast them aside like you don't even give a shit about them. Anyways, let's keep listening. They're only by the next giveaway. They're only by the next news cycle. And this is why Donald Trump runs circles around them. You know, I could understand that, but we should be able to look in hindsight and see some evidence of that. I haven't seen a lick of evidence of that. Trump just looks like a bumbling fool in hindsight, like through the whole thing. We are going to go into 2021 with a tremendous mandate. We're going to get health care done. We're going to get infrastructure done. We're going to get uh, drug reform done. We're going to get the, finish the wall being built. We're going to have trade deals with the whole world where it's fair. I tell you what, folks, we are heading to the greatest time in American history. Wait a minute. Hold on. Give me a second here. Um, Trump had been president for three years at this point. He had one year left in office. Why did he need five more years to get all this stuff done? Healthcare, the wall, what was the other stuff he listed? We're going to get healthcare done. We're going to get infrastructure done. We're going to get uh, drug reform done. Why didn't he do all of this shit the previous three years? Why are you still sitting here talking about it? I don't understand. He had a full four years, and not only did he have four years, but two of those years, Trump had complete control over the government, the House of Representatives, the Senate, the Supreme Court, and the presidency, all controlled by Republicans. He had complete control. What did he do at that time? Did he do anything valuable? Did he even propose a health care bill? Even propose one? No, of course he didn't, because he didn't have one to begin with. He had no plans going into this. This strategic genius you speak of had no plans. You know, Trump recently said he didn't want his Republican voters to vote in the 2022 or 2024 elections if they didn't blah, 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 meet Trump's demands, whatever they happen to be. I understand Trump's a Republican. If he cared about the country, he would believe that Republicans being in office is the best thing for the country. What he's doing here is setting it up so that Democrats will take office. That tells me Trump doesn't care about the country. He cares about holding power or seeing it burn to ashes around him, one or the other. He does not care about the well-being of the country. He doesn't care about trade deals or health care or making sure that the most people benefit the most from leadership. He cares about holding power. If he really cared about the country, he never would have encouraged his voters to not vote unless the Republicans met his list of demands. That blows my mind. Uh, you know, far be it for me to stop them from following his instructions on that one point, though. Let's keep listening to Bill Mitchell. 
Tell you what, folks, we are heading to the greatest time in American history. And thank God, Donald Trump is the is the uh, conductor. And we are witnesses to history. 200, 300, 1,000 years from now, the historians will look back and say, this was the moment in time where America turned back from the brink. America was on the brink of disaster. America was ready to go Thelma and Louise over the cliff. And America has come back from the brink to achieve the greatness that God has always destined for us. And he used Donald Trump, the same way that he's used David, the same way that he's used uh, uh, Samson, the same way that he used Abraham, the same way that he turned uh, Saul into Paul, who ended up writing about a third of the New Testament, the same way he used all of these heroes from the Bible. He's using Donald Trump right now to stand in the gap and save America. It's remarkable to watch. Folks, you are living in historic times right now. Is that enough religious references for you? In the previous clip of the podcast, I pointed out how Trump is basically a religious figure at this point. He is pretty much viewed like their messiah now. These religious references, calling him Abraham, David, Paul, that's a little over the top, right? This is toned down. This is more moderate than the last one that I watched. Johnny Enlow said, we're going to change our calendar to reflect how important Donald Trump is. The last time we did that was for Jesus, from BC to AD, and now he's saying we wanna switch it to before Trump and after Trump. He is a part of their cult now. This next clip I wanted to watch is from mid-May 2019. So the one that we just watched was late June 2019. So this clip actually came a little bit before the one we just watched. I probably should have reversed the order, but anyway. Let's give this one a watch and see what he had to say. All of the lies from the Democrats, all of the threats, the subpoenas and all this stuff, it's meaningless. Folks, in the end, we win. You know why we win in the end? Because we're God's country and God wins. We are God's country and God wins. God is not going to abandon this country. We are God's country and God wins. Why are we God's country? Why isn't it like Canada or something? Why not Australia? There are Christians there too, right? In fact, there are Christians in the Middle East. Why isn't Israel God's country for that, for that matter? Why is it the United States? Is this just like another person living in a mass delusion? Is that what this is? And so America is going to win too. The Bible is a story of redemption from beginning to end. That's what it is. Redemption. Donald Trump's life is a story of redemption, and making America great again is what? A story of redemption. God is redeeming America, and he is using Donald Trump to help do that. That's what's going on, folks. It's inevitable. We are going to win. Is that enough religious references for you? This guy isn't even a pastor, as far as I know. He's famous for being a right-wing radio host, and he has thrown out more religious comparisons than I can even count in this video and in the last one. I'm telling you, they view Donald Trump as a religious figure. He is part of their theology now. That brings us up to our last clip, which is about the Church of Satan, I think, or the Satanic Temple. I don't remember which one, but let's give this a listen. Came out early September 2021. See what he has to say. The Satanic Temple is challenging the recently enacted abortion restrictions. And there you go, Satanic Temple. I'm sorry. I apologize, Church of Satan and Satanic Temple, for getting you mixed up. Didn't remember which one it was. I know you're touchy about it. Honest mistake. Let's keep listening. Abortion restrictions in Texas. Claiming religious freedoms give them the ability to legally end the life of an unborn human. Passed a detected 
heartbeat. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Okay, so first of all, what they're doing is they're basically taking advantage of religious protections that people like this guy here have screamed about for the past 20 years. I don't believe religion should be banned. I don't believe religion should be banned, no matter what. I'm very serious about that. But you can't do certain things. Like, you can't do cocaine if it's part of your religion, for example. There are, there are limitations for society's safety, for your own safety. You can't do cocaine for your religious beliefs. This guy has been working fervently, he and many others, to basically remove all religious restrictions, no matter what, illegal or not. That's what he's been working on since day one. I mean, that's what the Republican agenda has been. Remove any religious restrictions, illegal or not, doesn't matter. And here we have an example of a religion, the Satanic Temple, I believe he said, who's taking advantage of all of that hard work that Bill Mitchell and others have put into it. And he does not like that. Let's keep listening. I have something to say. Church of Satan, you're not a church. You're not a religion. You're a cult. I'm sorry. Wait a second. He said Church of Satan. Church of Satan. He said Church of Satan here. The Satanic Temple is... And he said Satanic Temple there. Which is it? Is it Satanic Temple or Church of Satan? They don't like being mixed up. I'm going to get no end of shit from the Satanists in my audience. I'm sorry, guys. It wasn't me. It was Bill Mitchell. Blame Bill Mitchell. Anyway, let's keep listening. I have something to say. Church of Satan, you're not a church. You're not a religion. You're a cult. You're a cult. Is there anything... Okay, um, any evidence for that, that they're a cult? Give me something. I'll take anything at all. As it stands, I don't believe that the Church of Satan or the Satanic Temple are cults. I have no reason to believe that whatsoever. If I was given evidence for it, I would examine it honestly, but I know a good bit about both groups, and I have no reason to think that they're a cult currently. Is he just throwing this word around derogatorily? Is that what it's about? He's just trying to insult them? Let's keep listening. Religion, you're a cult. You're a cult. There's a difference between an actual religion, Protestants, Catholicism, okay? Those are denominations, not religions. Religion would be like Christianity or Islam or Buddhism. Denominations would be groups within those religions, like Catholicism, Protestantism, so on and so forth. Jehovah's Witnesses, a denomination. But cult and religion are not synonymous. In fact, they don't even have to be linked to each other. Nexium is a good example of a cult that isn't a religion. Scientology only uses religion to keep tax-exempt status. It's really a psychology cult, not, not a religion in any sense of the term at all, really. But he seems to be conflating the two. You have to be religious to be a cult. All this stuff, okay. Even even Mormonism, okay. Judaism. These are actual established religions. Uh, Judaism is an actual established religion. He was correct in that one, but every other thing he named was a denomination, not not a religion itself. Judaism. These are actual established religions. Your Church of Satan is a cult. You do not have any religious protections for a cult, okay. Isn't that fascinating? Suddenly, religious protections go right out the window when you don't like the religion you're dealing with. He has found a nice, easy little workaround for that. If I don't like that religion, then I'm going to remove their religious protections. You go out there and you can say, I worship trees. I worship this bush over here. Okay? I'm a sun worshiper, and therefore I'm, you know, no, no, no. 
<laughs> that's not how it works. That's not how it works. You are a cult. You have no religious projections. No, it is actually how it works. That is, in fact, how it works. You can claim that you're a sun worshiper or a tree worshiper or a worshiper of any sort and get tax-exempt status as a religion and religious protections to go along with it. That is, in fact, how it works. I know you don't like that, Bill Mitchell, but that's just what it is, buddy. He desperately wants to take away religious protections from other people when he would screech at the top of his lungs if somebody tried to do that shit to him. Like I said, personally, I believe in religious freedom, religious protections. I believe you should be allowed to exercise your religion how you want to. That being said, you have to follow the laws, no exceptions. You're not allowed to lay somebody on an altar and stab them in the chest because it's part of your belief system. You're not allowed to smoke weed in a state in which it's illegal just because your religion allows you to. That's not how any of this works. We have to follow the laws of society. If you don't like those laws, change them. I believe in religious freedom, no strings attached. But the moment you try to break the law and get special privileges that other people don't get, that's where I draw the line. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.